2: Trigger warning, the following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence, sexual assault, and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive in to some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. We are going to have so much content for Patreon from this one episode because it's so wild and I couldn't fit in. All of the wildness that the Warrens, as a couple from the infamous Conjuring series, did in their lifetime. So if you want more, make sure you're joining our Patreon. We do live Q&As every Thursday. I have so much on this. (laughs) I had to start picking and choosing crap because I was like, there's no way I can fit all of the insanity into this one episode. So I just wanted to start by talking about how ever since its conception, Hollywood as a whole, they've kind of loosely used the term based on a true story
3: like yeah it's super loose it's like there was a guy once and they're like based on a true story you're
2: like what else i thought this whole thing happened yeah i remember the one that stuck with me when i was younger um was the strangers did you ever see that yes that uh,
3: that is what came to my mind because i was like i like the thought that people could show up at your house for no other reason except for your home
2: that's it. That's the one line of dialogue. One, I think one of the only yeah. lines of dialogues that the killers say like why they are psychologically torturing this couple they in their chills. own home is because you were home. Yeah, it's it yeah. gives me chills just talking about it. Um, And it's I So then, of course, I'm 16. I'm looking up. We had Google at that point in time. I'm like, what is true about this movie? Because I need to know because I'm now absolutely terrified. Like, is Tamara home? I'm like, oh, screw off. <laughs> um, <laughs> so looking it up, found out it's actually loosely inspired by the Manson family murders. Yes, very loosely. Uh, Like there was people home. (laughs) Yes. um, And it also was inspired by the writer, the main writer of the script. He had a series of break-ins that occurred in his um, childhood neighborhood when he was a kid. So he said this, I'll quote him. As a kid, I lived in a house on a street in the middle of nowhere. One night while our parents were out, somebody knocked on the front door and my little sister answered it. At the door were some people asking for somebody that didn't live there. We later found out that these people were knocking on doors in the area. And if no one was home, breaking into the houses. So not as, I mean, still scary and creepy, but not as bad as like what the strangers is. I know, but I'm just getting
3: chills. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if you can see this. Like literally chills after chills after chills because, when you watch that movie, you're like, no, no. Like, so, <laughs> oh
2: my gosh. Yes. And it, it just sticks with you. It's crazy. crazy oh, crazy. that one definitely does. And another series. So I haven't watched it. I don't know if I will. Did you watch Dahmer?
3: I, I don't want to say that I have, cause I don't like that. I have, but I have, yeah. I, <laughs> How did you I, feel about like, it? I, not, I haven't finished it. I finished seven okay. hours of it. I'm like in six or seven so, six or seven. So yeah. Like yeah. seven hours of my life. Um, yeah. Okay so that actor whatever his name is like Evan Evan, Evan Peters yeah. yeah yeah he plays him really well cuz he mm-hmm. I was okay so I feel like sometimes when they do these type of dramatized like things they make the villain or the killer or whoever like the antagonist like so hated that you're like i hate him or this is not believable they make it so you don't hate him or like him they make it so he's like an outcast Mm -hmm. and so i feel like it's more realistic i guess Mm -hmm. versus being like oh he's such a bad person like you feel you learn you like meet him kind of as a weird guy Mm -hmm. or as an alcoholic and you're like oh like but you don't pity him Like, I think that's good too. Cause I was like, I don't want to pity him. Like some people are
2: pitying. Some people are making lust. Like what are the thirst TikToks? I've seen a lot of those. I will say, um, I used to be when I was studying him in university, I was a what you would probably call a Jeffrey Dahmer sympathizer because I'd watched all his interviews and I was like, oh, he's, he's, um, what do you call it? A remorseful serial killer. He's one of the only ones that's explained things. No, 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 no. After doing full research on this man, we even looked at him this morning, Christopher Carver, I believe is the name of the man that murdered him in prison and murdered another man as well. Um, they, he, uh, talked about how Jeff was actually very antagonizing in prison actually. And he would make, yeah, like fake body parts out of the food, drizzle it with ketchup and pretend it was blood, and like just weird. And um, and that and was I why he was like, like, "I'm fucking done with him."
3: Yeah. And
2: I feel like mm-hmm. they portrayed that really well, so you don't yeah.
3: like him or dislike him, you don't pity him, you just mm-hmm. feel like as his behavior like progresses, you're like, mm-hmm. "You're you're a bad seed." Like now you're yeah. just from like bad seed to despicable human. Like yeah. you just. It's I felt like I wanted to be like, ew, gore, like you hate like I didn't want that. I was like, if we if I start watching this and it's like Jeffrey Dahmer, what a like villain, you're like, no, Mm -hmm. he was a person that like grew into this horrible person. Yeah. And I felt like that was accurate.
2: Yeah, so I will say um a lot of people I made a TikTok about it um concerning especially the victims families the victims families uh, a couple of them have come out and said of course they weren't asked it's all public record they're mm, never asked yeah. when these shows comes out I can't imagine you know you, they probably turn on their TV just like all of us and his face is the first thing that pops up right now like he's been number 1 on Netflix for however long and two weeks um or something yeah yeah so the feedback i got on that tiktok was a lot of people said it's not based on the victim's point of view which i thought was interesting because that is one of the marketing points for this um docu series is that it's based a, and then a lot of people thought it was a documentary what like to that level of truth? And I had to explain absolutely not. It's a docu series. It's a dramatized version of true events. It is not the full truth of what happened. I mean, no. they even portrayed a relationship between Dahmer and one of his victims, which Tony, never I happened. Think. Yeah, yeah. So that I'm like, don't twi- get it twisted. Like, make sure you're doing your own research if you are watching it. So just to tie it back to that, based on true events, not always the case at all like make sure if you're watching a movie you're watching especially if it is based on true events that you do your own research we all have google we all have a way to kind of look it up um i think for me like if you think
3: about it as like the it gives i know it's dramatized but some additional context maybe mm-hmm. like or like it's like I mean, I know they jump around in a timeline sometimes, but it's like more linear to me versus if you read like a Wikipedia, for example, you're like, boom, 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 boom. And that doesn't give me any faces or details to a victim. And at least when this is being portrayed across 10 hours, you Mm -hmm. are visualizing his victims as people or like that they have, you know, so that how he would be able to move around in the world, say, or like what types of excuses he may have given to cops. Mm -hmm. Um, They do play like one... And I don't know if this is true. You might know this. But they say it's the true 911 call um, of one of his neighbors. And I know that he was called. Like, they called attention to him multiple times. Oh, yeah. So, it was, like, things like that that are weaved in of tr- truth um, mm-hmm. that you're, like, huh. Okay. Like, that's crazy if someone did call in and say those words to police. And they were, like, this is how. No. Well, this
2: is what we yeah. think. We
3: looked into it. It's fine. It's it's his yeah. boyfriend. And they're, like,
2: yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he yeah, do your research, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and I feel I don't know what the show portrayed, but I feel Dahmer definitely purposefully picked the victims that he picked um, for their minority status and the fact that nobody really would pay attention, um, and the police obviously did not pay attention, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so to tie it back into the Conjuring franchise with Ed and Lorraine Warren. This is another based on a true story movies, although this is more horror and it's supernatural. So I feel like the public more takes it with a grain of salt, you know? Sure. Yes. The Conjuring franchise has at this point grossed over $1.9 billion from their movies over the last decade.
3: That's so wild, especially if we go back to Amityville, like being fabricated.
2: Oh my God. It was a lot of money. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So at the time the movies were made, put out there, Lorraine was the only living person from the couple. You know, it's based off of the real life romance between self-taught demonologist, Ed Warren and his clairvoyant medium wife, Lorraine. So Ed, I think passed in 2006 of a heart attack. Lorraine was still kicking until 2019. Um, the two, if you don't, it is crazy. Um, the two of you don't know, they would travel to houses with haunted happenings and they would cast demons out of homes, out of people, out of objects. They have an entire occult museum at their house that you usually can't visit anymore. It's been closed for years. However, this October on October 29th, they are having an event called Paracon, which I really wanted to go to, but I don't think I'm going to be able to, um, Where's they the are house going- it's in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. So they're going to open their doors um, for the first time in years. And you can go in and look at objects like the Annabelle doll. Everybody I feel like knows that case of the Warrens. We're going to talk about that a little bit more on Patreon this week. Um, We have the Perrin family, which is the family that was based off of um, that first movie that took place in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. um, with the possession of the witch yes it's now famously known as the conjuring house this is another house you can visit um i believe that's in connecticut as well but i might be wrong on that of course we talked about amityville last week an entire episode dedicated to it that they investigated there's also the enfield poltergeist over across the pond in a north london suburb that they investigated and the devil made me do it case which is a very famous case that the third movie was based on if you didn't know, they have three movies, the major Conjuring series, yeah. do not yeah. A bell. No, <laughs> we will get to it. You might. Maybe know. I was just like- too scared. <laughs> I was like, no, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, so we will talk about that so much more. Now, of course, they're being involved in these wild cases. There's a fight between good and evil, God and Satan. It seems outlandish, wild. Of course, they have their skeptics, but the couple was portrayed as pious perfect the height of romance in the movies um have you seen some of these movies yeah
3: yeah I've i seen think the there's *Wandering*. Like- i've seen annabelle i've seen uh, amityville we talked about but um yeah and i feel like when you see them especially as a kid you're like uh or like whatever teen you're like mm. what's real what else what else what else because yeah in annabelle they show the museum they show their basement yeah. and they talk about all the
2: artifact well they don't talk they should just like show artifacts During the release of the first film, the franchise had a lot of legal battles over the screen rights. Who had the rights to portray the Warrens on film? And you would think it'd be straightforward. Like, obviously, Lorraine has the rights to her own story, except... That Ed and Lorraine had a book written about their lives called The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And the man who wrote this, Gerald Brittle, would claim that he owned the rights to their story. They had signed it over. And so WB had no right to share her story. So as this is all coming out. In this lawsuit, this woman, her name's Judith Penny. She's in her 70s, okay? She's not in this for any financial gain at all, okay? She's not getting anything. All she's doing is giving her witness statement. She alleges that when she was just 15 years old, she began began a romantic sexual relationship with Ed Warren, who was at the time in his 30s. Ew. Ew. Mm -hmm. She said that um, when she was just 18 years old, the couple moved her into their family home. Oh, she was groomed. Oh, a third party to their romantic relationship over the next 40 years. So this isn't a minor claim. This is we know this woman lived in their home. Yeah. Eek. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Horrible. So the Warrens would claim that they did this out of the kindness of their hearts, even their daughter Judy, and that's what's weird too. Their daughter's name is Judy, this girl's name is Judith. So it's going to get a little confusing. So keep that in mind. But there's only a couple years difference between Judy and Judith, which is also just That's well horrible. Yeah. So we're going to get into all of that what Judy knew about the situation between Judith and her parents. All of that. Um, but this, of course, called into question not only the Warren's love story that's being portrayed on film as like this very pious Christian, wholesome marriage. But it also calls into question their entire careers as paranormal investigators because it's based on their strong Christian Catholic faith. So that, yeah. I do not think Christian or Catholic when I think of Ed and Lorraine. Warren. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No. <laughs> so we're going to touch on all of this and more,
1: but let's talk about the wine because I've talked too long on this introduction. <laughs> God, I need wine. You're right already. No. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
0: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: We have more wine from our friends at Naked Wines.
2: Thank you, Naked Wines.
3: Thank you, thank you. And look, if you can't tell why I picked this bottle today... (laughs) it matches my shirt i know we went from uh just picking by labels to picking labels that match so yeah um, no this one sounded amazing for fall it's a cab sav out of napa 2020 and it's one of the wines that um we've talked about before that um naked wines that they have angels um that receive angel funding to produce Mm -hmm. different like batches so that's one of these they were this um wine was funded by that angel funding so pretty cool um And let's give it a taste, because we're drinking the same thing. I'm so excited to have the same one as you today.
2: Do we have all the same ones in this box now? We do. Oh, fun. I saw they put Jose back in. That was one of my favorites from last time. And Cannonball, too. Oh, yeah. I got my Halloween glass, since this is an episode for our spooky season. Spooky, spooky. You have so (laughs) many spooky Halloween glasses. glasses. It's like, who's the real demon? The devil or Ed Warren? We won't know. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Eek. Eek. <laughs> cheers. I mean, cheers.
2: <laughs> I need wine for this. I'm shaky because I haven't eaten much this morning. Um, We film these in the morning usually. So if I'm tipsy by the end of this, I am so sorry. But mm, mm.
3: I had my one t- once a year pumpkin bread. So I feel good. Oh, yeah. I was like, what would go with pumpkin bread? My breakfast. Oh. A cab south.
2: <laughs> Perfect. This is really I good, like actually. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like this. It's a perfect cab salve. I could definitely see myself eating a good dinner with this.
3: It's not too bold. So honestly, like I feel like right now, maybe it's because it's the morning. Mm-hmm. I just want something that's a little, it's like sweet. And when we opened it, you could smell it. it was like sweeter. So mm-hmm. I like it. That's good.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I have a few disclaimers to get out of the way before we start talking about the upbringing of Ed and Lorraine Warren, how they met their situation because it's all coming from the demonologist book that I talked about earlier. That was written by Gerald Brito, Brito, excuse me. And he wrote it all from the perspective, first person perspective of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Is first? Person Did perspective, he interview? So they, they were part of this. They knew him. Project. Yeah. yeah. Okay yeah, they were a heavy part of this project and it's all very like, I read a few reviews and people were saying that first person perspective isn't evidence. Number one, number two, they said that it was a lot of Christian propaganda as well. Like them trying to promote their faith, save people, all of that. So that was their whole gimmick, whatever. Um, but it does call into question the veracity of what they claim in the book. So just this first part here where I'm talking about their background, disclaimers done. Um, both Ed and Lorraine Warren were born in Connecticut, less than a year apart from the other. Ed claimed he grew up in a haunted house. It's the do East you Coast. Be- I feel like everything's yeah. haunted on the East Coast. <laughs> are, are you like, do you believe? I don't know if we've ever gone through this. Do you believe in ghosts? Or I don't, I'm mm, a skeptic. I'm not going to share it on this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but we're going to have ghost
3: talk on Patreon soon. <laughs> I know. I do. I do believe, but I have a certain set of beliefs around like what? Yes. Okay. Yeah, There's a spiritual world. I believe that. Yeah. Okay.
2: (laughs) Okay. So Ed claims he grew up in this haunted house. The lights would turn on and off with no explanation. Doors would open and close. He said he saw full-bodied apparitions. One of his family's landlady um, who had actually died shortly before he saw her. He said he also was visited by his deceased aunt who would tell him stories about his future. Lorraine said she also discovered her clairvoyant abilities at a very early age, she said at about nine. But she Mm -hmm. said she was still skeptical of her abilities. Now, in the more believable aspect of things, she did say she also at that point in time started seeing auras around people, and she kind of knew what she was getting into with people when she would meet them, you know, like she just knew about them, which I definitely believe that's like that is a gift people a sense, have, you know. S- another sense. Yeah. I-, I wish I had it. <laughs> so could have Ed... avoided so many exes <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> cheese and crackers. Just have this like flashing like runaway. So when they were in their teens, Ed actually worked at a movie theater. Okay. And Lorraine and her mother would frequent this movie theater quite often. And that's how they would meet. How are so
3: they like far in age? They're close. No. The
2: age. So they're with, they're within um, a year from each other and they went oh. on their first date when they were both 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Lorraine claims that after her first date with Ed, that very night, she had a vision of Ed as an old man and she knew that she would spend the rest of her life with him.
3: So she was like Claire. Yeah. She said she was clairvoyant from like so long, a young age. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So when Ed was 17 though, he joined the Navy. And just a few months after the ship that he was serving on for World War II, it actually collided with an oil tanker that caused a huge fire. Now, all the men on board, they had to jump overboard, and only 69 of them survived, including Ed. Wow. And that's scary? That's so wild and scary. Yeah. He said he was, like, in the freezing water, like, just praying, you know, was rescued. And after he was rescued, he returned home and immediately asked Lorraine to marry him. Like, he knew. He's like, we're getting married. So they soon had their first child, Judy Warren, on July 6th, and first and only child, July 6th, mm-hmm. 1950. She, As I said, she still manages her parents' occult museum. I think her husband kind of has taken the reins on that. Um, she, if you look her up, she's really cute. She looks, spitting image of Lorraine. Oh my God. And she supports a lot of animal shelters, which is why I don't feel bad at all mentioning Paracon. Those tickets, they're gonna go to some that money's gonna go to some animal shelters. Like your money's in good hands with her. Like <laughs> she's like a Paracon. Do you know? I I like, think it's like they can't let everybody in anything. there. I know, it's I know. It's not limited. that expensive. I know. I really want to go though. Oh my god. I know. So After he left the Navy, Ed really took up artistry. He'd always been an artist, but he, like, really got into it after. Now, how they got into ghost hunting, he would have Lorraine drive him to local haunted homes, like homes he'd heard were haunted, right? They would sit out in their car, and within 30 minutes, he'd be able to sketch the homes. He then would go with Lorraine to the front door, knock, and when the homeowners answered, he would offer them the sketch as a way for them to invite them in the home to start talking about the haunting that was taking place he could sketch like their floor plan well what like, would he no, like sketching
3: the, oh the, the outside, outside of the home
2: <laughs> yeah <just> sitting outside
3: <laughs> I'm like uh I'd be like no sir
2: you cannot come in <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I especially I guess like nowadays like you think about the 70s and 80s yeah, maybe a little course, bit more trusting then. but like nowadays we'd be like holy hell no sir or 60s too but yeah and you're just sitting outside sketching my house I don't think so yeah I well, don't that's think crazy. So. That's wild. Isn't that weird? I just think so he would like just, really they would strange. just sense that it's a haunted house. They, it was like rumored usually in okay. the area. Like, you know how you've got those like haunted yeah. homes and everything. Yeah. So yeah. And then he'd like make his way into the homes and start his ghost hunting. That's crazy. That's weird. Now to their credit, they did not take fees for their work, but they did enjoy immense financial success from their work later on in years. They would have nine books a busy lecture schedule. They consulted on both of the animated horror films. So both of them, the seventy nine mm. version and the two thousand five cool. version. Isn't that interesting? I think um, I do remember their names and credits. Yep. For the, mm. the, the the last one. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's so wild. I know. And in 1952, they actually founded the New England Society of Paranormal Research. Back then, Ed was only one of seven recognized demonologists, and he was the only lay demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. So the only one I do outside not of their- associate them with like Catholicism and stuff. I'm like, oh, they run an occult museum, but they're Catholic. Like- <laughs> well, that's what. Okay, so my mom is still super heavy Christian. I don't really relate to any like um, belief system. But we were sitting downstairs and like talking about this whole thing, and she goes, "I just like don't see the like connectivity between Christianity and what they were doing." <laughs> and she's like, "Whatever. Like, yeah, yeah," because she even says News like to me. Isn't there a part in the Bible too that says like, don't talk to mediums or something like don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised that the Catholic church, but then they do
3: exorcisms and I'm not Catholic. So I don't understand it. I don't understand how it
2: comes together, but I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. We will touch on an exorcism in this. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So things are about to get wildly unhinged. Um, All of this came out, as I said, very shortly after the first Conjuring movie's release due to all of these many lawsuits. They went through a lot of lawsuits, like between WB, New Line Cinema, The Warrens, all of that. So before his immense success as a demonologist to make ends meet, Ed worked as a bus driver in the early 1960s. This is how he met 15-year-old Judith Penny when he was in his 30s. She said the two of them soon began an amorous relationship, child grooming, hello, Yeah, that Lorraine was aware of. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like it. Yes. So, at 18, like I said, she moves into the family home. She first lives in the bedroom across the hall from the couple, according to her own testimony in these court documents. And then they moved her up into an apartment that was built for her above the home. Okay? So, according to these documents between Newline and Warner Brothers, she declared, one night he'd sleep downstairs and one night he'd sleep upstairs.
3: I don't like that. Well, I mean, obviously... Make your own choices as full grown adults, but she was yeah. a
2: child. That's when it started. I don't yeah. like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some people were talking about his groomed. affair. Yeah, his affair. And I'm like, I don't like that terminology at all. She was she was groomed. It was a whole thing. And yeah, we'll get into how it affected her life, everything. So she also alleges that Ed got her pregnant when she was in her 30s. The couple she says encouraged her to lie about the apartment above them being broken into and her being mm-hmm. raped.
3: They'd rather have her be raped than claim this child
2: for pregnancy. Yeah, it, it would, would have ruined have the their baby? business. Okay. So it would have ruined their business. So because she wouldn't lie for them, she says, then Lorraine encouraged her to have an abortion, which I know is against the Catholic church. Yeah. That's not Catholic. No. Wow. So Judas says she did. And after the couple took her to the clinic and then brought her home that very same night, they went out to one of their lectures and left her at home alone. This lady's been through a lot. She's groomed. Um, this Yikes. is wild. So the Warren's only daughter, Judy, claims that Judith was nothing more than a girl that they were helping through a hard time, said that her parents gave her a place to stay, opening their home to her after years of childhood neglect, that her only real responsibility was to watch the house because they traveled so much, right? And sure. also be a li- liaison for, like, when people would call and be like, oh, my God, I've got a demon in my house. Like, I need Ed and Lorraine here. Then she'd be An like, admin. Oh, yeah, let me set up your meeting. Yeah. Um, Judy, the daughter, claimed that she never witnessed anything romantic or inappropriate at all between Judith and her parents. Her, she and her husband believe that the now 70-year-old woman is being taken advantage of for financial benefits by um, these people that are suing the film companies for the story rights, right? Mm, okay. Only problem is Judy, the Warrens' daughter, did not live in the family home with her parents in her childhood.
3: I mean, she- I get why she can claim she wouldn't have known. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe she did know.
2: but uh Judith knows, <laughs> yeah. So she would actually live with Lorraine's mother, Georgiana, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So she wasn't even in the same home. She was totally yeah. moved out. I, I, My mom speculated yesterday. Sorry, I'm bringing up my mom a lot. My mom's in visiting because she had to take care of my cats for the hurricane and everything. So we, we talked through this script like so many times over the past week. Um, but she brought up, she was like, um, uh, maybe she was moved out because of her father's inclinations as well. Like you know, like why would you move your child out of your home? Now she says it was because her parents traveled so much; it was just easier yeah. for her to live with her grandmother. But like, it's weird. And the the films don't portray that at all. The films portray Judy living in her family home, and obviously don't portray Judith at all. Yeah, right. And, anyways, so it it's also hard to tell what she saw and what she didn't say. See, like you said, like as a child, she would have been almost her age.
3: Oh right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So Almost like, her age. Mm-hmm. If he did think that was wrong, and then he wouldn't be letting his daughter see this or know about it. They would just like, oh, we have a helper, we have an admin, we have a whatever. Yeah, a
2: And she, uh, yeah, she also said in an interview as a child, she didn't know what her parents did for a living. Right. So, so what all else did, else did she miss? Do you know what I mean? She didn't know. Yeah. She knew they can about can the hide stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. A hundred percent from her. Mhm. So according to many of the lawsuits that were lodged against Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema, at that same year that Judith moved in, she was actually arrested, okay? For living with a married man. What? <laughs> I know. So at the time this is illegal. Like isn't that weird to think of? Like there were states with illegalities against you committing adultery in your own home. But why was Ed not arrested? Like these are all the questions that I have concerning all of this. <laughs>
3: Well, I feel like laws a lot of times lean towards even if it's like again, sex workers, lean towards penalizing women yeah. over like the perpetrator. Like many e- at best were equally responsible mm. in a lot of these situations. So
2: and I think it also might have to do so that night, um, Judith says that she's like held at the prison, right? And the sheriff is trying to get her to sign a document about their relationship and she refused, okay?
3: Well, so she's she would been, be prosecuted. She'd be yeah. like the adulterer or she'd you be know the one in trouble.
2: Interesting though. Like my mom said yesterday, she was like, well, he must've had some like, he must have had some complaints against him and it makes me wonder like how many people knew about this whole situation that was going on especially since he's so involved with the church like I grew up in the church as well I grew up in a Baptist church or an evangelical church as well but like it, you talk and so I can see people being like very upset about this entire situation that's going on and being like he's out here representing P- us like as a community absolutely Well, it's a, not. Becl-
3: it's a behind closed door situation obviously if his daughter mm-hmm. claims she didn't know anything about it so it is closeted of a relationship. And also that's who's giving her a roof over her head. Like how many times are like when we talk about like victims, are they going to press charges over someone that's like holding, you know, maybe work or a house or like livelihood like over their head? So I don't yeah. think that's not that I guess I'm not that surprised when you think about it, why she wouldn't yeah. press charges or why yeah. she wouldn't uh, report him or yeah. sign anything that has to do about the relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so she would actually spend the next month in juvie and Ed would have to take her to and from school, which I thought was like a weird situation for that to have happened. But for some reason they were able, I couldn't find anything more on that. But according to the court documents, she did spend a month in juvenile detention for this whole thing. So allegedly, Judith also said in these documents that uh, Ed was abusive towards Lorraine. Yeah, so she witnessed him hitting Lorraine so hard that she would lose consciousness. She said, and I feel like this is such a tell for the times how she said this, but she said he'd often have to hit her to shut her up. Eek, yeah. She said that some nights she was afraid that they were going to kill each other.
3: It's like being explained away. Yeah. yeah.
2: So as I said, all of this is allegations. This is all just from Judith's, like, statements. Obviously, there's things to back it up. I mean, Judy, the daughter, she confirmed she did. Judith did live with them. You know, like, this is not yeah. out there. 40 years. You can't make that up, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, How did she go back to live with them if that's what she was, like, arrested for? Or this is what I don't understand. I would love to know more about this. So, yeah, if Judith ever wants to come on our show and, like, spill the tea, I'm like, yeah, oh, like, mm-hmm get you some wine and come chat with us when they have to um, like
3: release you to
2: someone's care
3: or to somewhere <laughs> from juvie
2: like they're like oh we yeah. can't really we'll go release back you there. back to your abuser like it's fine it's weird yeah yeah so what i find wild though is there is something more modern that backs up these claims
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you
2: Lorraine's deal with New Line Cinema, which was signed before any of these allegations came out. Like, remember this. She had to sign away her life story for, I think her starting price was $150,000. It was something like that. But, of course, she's getting royalties, all of the stuff from these movies, right? Um, so, in this, she had pretty specific things that her and Ed's characters could not be portrayed doing on film. Oh, let me get into this. It's so weird. Okay. The films could not show her or her husband engaging in crimes including sex with minors. What? Pro- I'm telling
3: You're, you, it's that, weird. Why do you have to list that? It's so specific. You'd be um, like, please don't ever portray me having sex with minors.
2: That's I'm telling you. Just to cover your grounds? like <laughs> Child pornography, prostitution, or sexual assault. Neither the husband nor wife could be depicted as participating in an extramarital sexual relationship. These are very specific things These that are they can very specific, very specific. Like it's so weird. Like, and I read, I was reading, it's the Hollywood reporter was the article that I got this from. Obviously they're, Like, you know, you have to like vet your sources and everything. But they did have an expert on um, who was a legal expert that said these are, of course, usually when you sell your story, there are things that pertain to your story that you're like, I'd rather leave that out. So you do sign it in. But they were like, this is so out of like left field that it's weird that she included it in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
3: you'd be like, I don't want like something that's relevant to them that you'd be like, I don't want to be shown. Say like doing the, an exorcism because that it's like you you're like it probably won't yeah. be shown exactly how it happened or whatever you're like I yeah. don't want to be shown blah blah blah. Yeah, that's like really explicitly like la- laid out where you're like, don't cover that part.
2: <laughs> Just leave that out. Just leave um, that out. Another fun fact. Are you ready for this one? I don't think you are. No, I'm not Benjam- ready. Benjamin Rottenborn was the lawyer <laughs> representing. <laughs> he's everywhere
3: <laughs>
2: oh my god he's everywhere he's everywhere when i read that in the article i was like rotten boy. i had to get up and walk around i was like not not amber heard's lawyer no no, no. yes so There's he always a tie oh my god wow. so he was representing new line cinema and all these lawsuits protecting the warren story for new line cinema right and he weighed in on these lawsuits uh, in a statement. He said, for years, Brittle, the guy that wrote the book, and his cohort, Tony DeRosa Grund, who we're going to talk about here shortly, he was the producer for the first film, have conspired to strip New Line of its rights, constantly changing positions and concocting new theories with complete disregard for the truth. <laughs> Which I find funny because he supported Amber Heard. So <laughs> you got to get that back. It was a good, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. They need I rep- would t- representation. And I would say, for as much as I hate, I, I do not like him. Like he, I think he's a jackass. But I think he was a darn good lawyer. I think he was the only good lawyer she had on her team. He's retained by high-paying clients. That's for sure. He's doing sure? something right. And he's still. I think he's like one of the only ones that she hasn't fired yet. So he's <laughs> still going through the appeal process. He's got anyway. thick skin. Oh my land! Oh so. On from Rottenborn, and he is not the one a lot of people get him confused with the other lawyer that represented her that was like that objected to himself, but that's not Benjamin.
3: <laughs>
2: that, I love that. That like never gets old for me. They're like, uh, that, that was you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rottenborn was the one that the judge had to keep reminding Johnny to not antagonize. you to be like, Mr. depp just answer the question because he'd be like, Mr. Rottenborn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Um, so. Judith, not the daughter, the um, Judith, the live in, also claims in 1990 that Ed had her don a sheet, okay, and walk through Union Cemetery in Easton, Connecticut to portray the famous Connecticut ghost, the White Lady, that's often supposedly seen in the cemetery so that he could catch this ghost on camera. No, now. You may be wondering why I'm not sending you a file photo of like the girl in a sheet. Well, (laughs) (laughs) it's actually under lock and key by Lorraine Warren. I mean, I don't it's probably by her family now since she's passed in 2019. It has never been released to the public, but it was something Ed claimed. He did get this ghost on camera, never released it, but he he caught it. Um, And Judith claims, yeah, because it was me. I wonder
3: now, like, obviously we've seen like plenty of like people that challenge photo evidence of like Nessie and like Loch Ness, you know, whatever. So I wonder now if they can see, like, it's definitely under lock and key because they're like, yeah, it's a lady in a sheet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you know any photo experts that want to get on here and talk about that Amityville horror um, photo, Mm -hmm. I would love to sit and do it as like, because everything I've seen it in, it's been a documentary for Ghost and the Paranormal. So it's obviously like, oh my God, they caught this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have never heard the other side of it. So I would love, especially now that we know, like from researching the Amityville horror, they didn't release it until three years later. So was it taken that night or did they have a kid dress up in pajamas and peek around the side of the, you, you know? It's weird. So to their credit, though, Ed Warren would visit houses before he investigated them. Like people would call him, be like, we got an infestation going on here. So he'd show up and he said like nine times out of 10, it was like they had a water leak. So that's why the house is creaking. It's warped. Or a pipe burst. So this is like the situation. It's yeah. not an actual possession. So to their credit, they weren't like it wasn't like you called them and they were there. They were like Ghostbusters, <laughs> yeah, ready to make a spectacle of the whole situation, which That's does good. have me wonder, right? Like, and I wonder too, like after watching their interviews and stuff, if they believed a portion of the situations that they thought they were in. Do you know, or maybe it was true.
3: I'm sure it's psychological. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things. Yeah, like if you're alone in the dark and you're like listening hard enough, like you might hear something. You get it? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah, but it's crazy that they're like, no, call a plumber.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You have a plumbing issue. We got math. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually portrayed in the first Conjuring movie too. like, I I think there's a clip that these literally so this is the whole thing with me. I used to be a huge fan of the Warrens even before these movies came out because you know me, I'm into all the spooky shit, right? So I had already researched a bunch of the shit. And I knew who Ed and Lorraine were before the movies came out. I was so excited when these movies are being made. Also, Lorraine has a cameo in the first one. I like almost cried. Yeah, this is the coolest thing. And then come find out all this. And now I, I personally am sure they're fraudsters now. But of course, do your own research. What have you. But the first Conjuring movie had actually been in the works for over 20 years. That's crazy. Isn't it weird? So ever since Ed Warren, he came into the office of this um, producer, Tony derosa Grund, who we mentioned earlier. And he played them a tape of Caroline Perrin. And she is the titular character in the first Conjuring movie. So the woman that gets possessed, the mother of the whole family, yeah. that entire thing. right? So... He had that interview. He plays it with Tony at the end of the meeting. Tony, they're also being recording their, recorded their meeting. But at the end of their meeting, you can hear Tony on the recording say, if we can't make this into a film, I don't know what we can. He can also be heard discussing the idea for the movie with Ed. Now, Tony would be the producer for that first Conjuring movie. Mm -hmm. afterwards he would be one of the many people to sue warner brothers alleging he had been forced out of all the sequels and any monetary gain from the franchise which kind of sucks because if you brought them the idea like i would be like dude you're gonna fight for the it's all your idea yeah yeah so the first contract movies released in july 2013 right by september 2013 which is so wild to think it was almost 10 years i know i'm holy shit 10 years it's so weird. So by September of 2013, that fall, he sent an email to the Warner brothers executives that he was upset because he said the portrayal of the Warrens in the movie was a far cry from the true story of who they actually were. And he met both of them. So it's not like he's out to see here. He knew them. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, quote unquote, I was mortified as to the inaccurate portrayal of the relationship of Ed and Lorraine Warren. His email also stated that Judy, their daughter did not live with their parents. So he laid that out there, and he yeah. Because isn't there a scene where she's at home with the grandma? Yeah, there is later that grandma's taking care of her, and she's at the house, and isn't like Annabelle, Annabelle gets out. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah. It was like I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh my god, lock the basement,
2: right? Yeah. He also says, get this. This is a quote from the email. Ed was a pedophile, a sexual predator, and a physically abusive husband. Lorraine enabled Ed to do this she knowingly allowed this illegal read criminal relationship to continue for 40 years. They lied to the public. And this is before Judith had come Out with everything. So he also wrote that he had assured Judith Penny personally that all the sequels that they were about to produce from this, because this movie obviously has made a shit ton of money, so would tone down the romantic portrayal of the Warrens' marriage. And he warned execs in this email that Judith might tell the press her side of things if they continued with the storyline the way it was going. To make it be like, oh, this lovey-dovey couple. Hmm." Yeah. Yeek. Yeah. He said, quote, once this comes out, do you think Patrick Wilson or Vera Farmiga will knowingly play Ed and Lorraine Warren ever again? The answer is no one would. No amount of spin from any crisis PR firm can ever fix this once the truth has come out. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that that's who portrayed them. Huh?
3: Yeah. Who's going to portray child molester basically like? That yeah. was not knowingly
2: doing so. Yeah. Eek. Yeah. Bad. So, and I feel like it sucks too, because this, I feel like the, these allegations weren't as publicly made aware of as they possibly should have been. No, had no idea still. Yeah.
3: 2022. Um, yeah. do you think Lorraine was, cause I don't know enough about them, like battered woman syndrome, like didn't speak out or do you think she was like
2: aiding and abetting this like relationship? Where do you I think, think her culpability falls? I think it's a mixture of the two given the time. Do you know what I mean? It's a like, long given
3: time the, to be like, I'm a
2: battered yeah. woman that can't speak out. Yeah, but- and also given, to like, the time that it was happening in as well. Because you think right. they started this in the early 1960s is, is when she was moved in. I feel like battered women's syndrome, but also, like, you know how you protect your family, you protect your husband at all costs, and especially back then, it was more like, Narrow-minded, like, I feel like back then, too, like, people more would blame the woman for things, so it wasn't necessarily Ed's problem. And we'll get into this a little bit later. Judith continued her friendship with Ed until he died. With Lorraine, she did not. She obviously had a lot of distaste for Elaine or Lorraine, excuse me, a lot of, like, malice towards her. So it's weird when you think of that, because I feel like nowadays we would be more, like, that was a definitely fucked up situation that I never should have been in. I blame both parties equally. Whereas like you look at it 50 years ago and they're like, yeah, that bitch, like, I can't believe she let me move into her house. Yeah. I was going to say, or like
3: Stockholm syndrome is where she's like fine with Ed, but then she's like, you could have saved me and you did nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like the whole situation. Yeah. There's like, so it's, it's sad. She missed out on a lot, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Yeah. No, the film. And I wondered that, too, as I was like, okay, if she is being beat to the point that she's unconscious, you know, like how and obviously people didn't know that. Like, this is the first claim I've heard that Ed was like abusive. And now there's like two people alleging it because not just Judith, but also this man that met him, like Mm -hmm. this producer that met him is like, no, he's a pedophile. He's, but then that also calls into the question, the producer, now I'm on a rant, but, like, you're going to make a movie off of this guy when you know he's a child predator? You, you want to work
1: with someone that's so unsavory?
2: Yeah. Supposedly? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
2: The first film, based on the Perrin family, who in 1973, they claimed they moved into this house. There were spirits that were attached to the house, haunting them. They call Ed and Lorraine, right? According to Andrea Perrin, who was 12 when they moved into the house, she said eight generations of one extended family had lived and died at the farm. Some of them had never left. My mother did historical research and found that virtually every entity we were able to name as living beings either died by their own hand or died a traumatic death and so sudden a death that they didn't seem to know that they were dead. Creeps, but yeah. Mm -hmm. In real, I know. So in real life, not portrayed in the film, the Warrens investigated the Harrisville case, this Perrin family home, and it came to a sudden end when Roger Perrin, the father, ordered them to, quote unquote, get the hell out of the house after a dramatic seance in which Carolyn began speaking in a strange language, then levitated out of her chair. Andrea Perrin, the daughter, said the only time I was ever truly frightened was during that seance. There are no words to adequately express the event. Now, The movie was not filmed at the actual Conjuring house. The studio actually opted to use their $13 million budget for this film to build their own house that bears little to no resemblance to the real Conjuring house. Actress Joey King told Drew Barrymore in a recent interview on her show that during the filming in 2013, she started getting strange bruises on set. We've talked about strange occurrences on set, right? On set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She soon discovered she had a rare blood disorder that required a daily hospital visit to check up on her. But as soon as filming was done, she never dealt with that disorder again. That's weird. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you can visit the parent family home, as I said earlier, for day tours, events, movie watch parties, <laughs> overnight stays. <laughs> they are making money off of this. The current owner's daughter, but as we said, you should in Amityville, we were like, man, you're already capitalizing off of this commercialization. Why not capitalize more? We're at this point now, but the current oh. owner's daughter, she has a TikTok account, which features her experiences <laughs> within the house. Yes. collab. Yes, <laughs> if you want more spooky content, head over to Madison's page. We'll put it in somewhere. Sasha will put it in. I'll, I'll send it over to her so she can, you can add her and go follow her. She does really cool lives. I hear her family might be selling the house, um, mm. but I'm sure we'll get information on who's going to have it. I'm sure it will still be kind of this bed and breakfast type thing. Um, fingers sure. crossed because I love a good, I love a good spooky house. But the third Conjuring movie the devil made me do it is actually based on a true crime that is called the devil made me do It. it's the devil made me do it case the case of arnie johnson and you haven't heard of this it's not ringing any bells i
3: think yeah. i was done with the conjuring after this i was like i can't <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I, need to, I need to be able to sleep soundly at night i need to look yeah. this up gotta know <laughs> so okay it, yeah do it yeah. No, tell me about it. I'm looking. Okay. I
2: look too. Let me tell you. So Arnie Johnson, he murders his landlord after his landlord grabbed his girlfriend and wouldn't release her. Okay. And that day was really weird. So the, that day Arnie calls out sick for his own job, but then he goes to visit his girlfriend at this dog grooming place that she works at where oddly enough, his landlord works at two. Like it's the weirdest situation ever. And then it's they because go to It's lunch.
3: super new. 2021. <laughs> yes no i i am too old and too scared for this that is why i (laughs) yes it's because the other ones yeah like we're 10 years ago
2: yeah okay so yeah arnie johnson weird day he calls out of work first thing he then joins his girlfriend at her workplace which is a dog grooming place which also is where his landlord works okay so strange um he then goes out to lunch with them where they all drink heavily i'm like what kind of job is this I'd be cutting dogs don't be taking your accidents. yeah. Don't be taking your dogs there. No, drinking out. Lunch. Get yes. a buzz cut. <laughs> like, yes. He then says they returned back to like where they were working, and the landlord grabbed his girlfriend Debbie for like literally no reason and wouldn't release her even when he asked. He then the witnesses state he growled like an animal. Arnie did okay, and he grabs his landlord and repeatedly stabbed him with a five-inch pocket knife. Okay, like a little like yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the first murder in this quiet town in decades, which I just think should be mentioned because we're about to get into crazy town. Mm. Because just before the murder, Arnie had been present for the exorcism of Debbie's younger brother, 11-year-old David Glatzel, which, of course, featured the warrants. What? Yeah. So, Yeah. So <laughs> Arnie had been living with the Glatzels at the time of the exorcism. So with his girlfriend, I'm not hundred percent sure why, but I read a New York Times article at the time and the mom just said, well, he was dating my daughter. So like, of course we gave him a place to live. So I guess he was like down on his luck or like whatever. But during that time, so they just um, so- let him come to the exorcism. I come guess. on in. Yes. Yeah. So during that time they have this exorcism where there were at least four priests Present for and the warrants. Okay. So this is like a whole to do this exorcism. <laughs> and our Lorraine Warren would claim in this New York Times article that I read that she heard Arnie ask the demon to come into him, saying he would actually say, Come into me, leave the little lad alone. So the, the claim is that Arnie's possessed and that's why he killed his landlord. But wait. It gets crazier. I just had to include this. This is from the same article. This is the mother of David Glatzel saying this about his uh, demon possession. He would kick, bite, spit, swear, terrible words. Worse, she said, he experienced strangling attempts by invisible hands, which he tried to pull from his neck, and powerful forces would flop him rapidly, head to toe like a rag doll, and he couldn't even do a sit-up. He's too fat. Leave the little lad alone. (laughs)
3: Why is this a movie?
2: Why did she include Why? that he's too fat? They're like the you article, can't do a sit-up. The article also he's getting called strangled. Him obese. And I was like, you can't say that. Like, what the hell is wrong with these people? He's 11 years old. He's not obese. He's just growing. <laughs> oh my god! Like-
3: <laughs> Leave the lad alone. Let him be. He's 11. No, um, that's crazy. That's crazy.
2: That's crazy. <sighs> So, was David Glatzel possessed? I did this a little bit on my TikTok, but, I mean, that's really up for you to decide whether he was possessed or not. depends on what you believe. It is worth noting, and this was not mentioned in the book or the movie that came to follow this flipping (laughs) case, actually two movies that came to follow this flipping case, was Mrs. Glatzel had recently watched The Exorcist with her entire family, okay? She'd also been attending multiple of the Warrens' lectures, it should also be noted that the Warrens were called to this exorcism by the Catholic Church themselves. I was going to say, why were the Warrens there?
3: hmm Why didn't the Catholic Church, oh my God, I just can't even, but why, why? So. Why, is the, why does the Catholic Church, how does the Catholic Church feel about the Exorcism movies? Well
2: that i mean this nothing is nothing good has come
3: of these movies <laughs> no but
2: this is it for i was them. just saying like, i know like, it's
3: like all of a sudden the scapegoat honestly honestly honestly
2: <laughs> so it's so weird to me so mrs glatzel had actually contacted a local priest about this whole demonic possession thing going on with her son right and the local priest i guess got together with the warrens and three other priests and they were present for the exorcism however get this None of this is officially confirmed by the Catholic church as, and this is like a quote from the whole article at the time as well. Excuse me. As while the diocese acknowledges that father, and I can't pronounce his name. So I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And three priests from St. Joseph's work to resolve the boy's affliction. The priests themselves have been ordered not to speak publicly or with investigators. Investigators. Ah, because Contest- of this, because of this. Crime. Yeah. They contend that it's a pastoral matter, not a criminal matter. How does the Catholic Church get away with this shit? No, you talk to investigators. Are you high?
3: (laughs) They hit a lot over the years. Oh,
2: man. And they Uh, say this wasn't an official exorcism, but like. They're like just four of us stopped by to say hi. With the Warrens? Just like having a
3: get together, not officially, unofficial get together. It's
2: the wildest thing. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know for myself, since transitioning to a working from home environment, the importance of taking care of your own mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime, day or night, to message your therapist. It's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read other clients' testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com
3: I-T-T, that's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over two million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional.
2: And for listeners of *Innocent Told Tipsy*, you can go to their website and get an additional ten percent off your first month at BetterHelp.com/itt. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/itt. Yeah.
3: Well, so, they could sure wipe their hands of it if it's not official. Weren't there just for weren't hanging? There. Weren't there for an weren't exorcism?
2: No. We didn't see Arnie get possessed by the devil. So Arnie Sorry,
3: back to the Exorcist uh, <laughs> Exorcist movies, whatever. Yeah. Um, true or not true, but they show show them in Dahmer, since we were talking about that earlier. Oh, they yeah, because he watches, he's, he like, watches watching yes, them to get like, yeah. Yeah, like amped up. Um, so all like that movie, even if it's like a sign of the times, like them showing that was like w- amping people up in different ways,
2: like working them up. Yeah, that movie had a whole... I, I really do wonder if we could do a whole podcast episode on that movie because that movie... I mean, Billy Graham, the evangelical televangelist, um, he, called, he said that that film was demonically possessed. Like, the actual film, he said, of that movie was demon-possessed. Like, that's how much of a hold that movie had on our culture here in the United States. Like, it's... That movie influenced so much. So many crimes have come from that movie. So many weird events have come from that movie. And I really just think it's all from our own psyche. And Satanic Panic was at a height at this time, especially during this. Like that was something even the New York Times mentioned from this article, like during that time that satanic panic is on the rise. We all have a fear of Satan at this point in time. Like they noted it in this article. So yeah, I get
3: why that Mm -hmm. content, like I call it what you want to possess the movie, whatever, like, but yeah, why the content was like insidious and like making people, have ideas of things they may have not thought of if they hadn't watched it before or whatever. Like it's making them feel like differently.
2: It's planning like, yeah, it's like stirring it up for them. It is. Yeah. Um, So Arnie actually was facing the death penalty. So his lawyer did a weird defense we'd never really heard of. And I don't think we've heard of it since. The defense was the devil made me do it his lawyer saying in a fucking courtroom that the courts have dealt with the existence of god and now they're going to deal with the existence of the devil i wonder if that had been used before no the judge Uh, unlike the film because the film runs with this that we have to prove the existence of the devil as well and that's one of the major quotes that ed warren always gave in his life is there the devil is real god is real and it's it's who you elect to to follow that that chooses your fate, like chooses your destiny. So that was always his mission in life to kind of get that information out there, whether you believe it or not, it's fine. But that was like, we're talking about, that. so this was a real defense, but unlike the movie judge was like, this is nonsensical. I'm throwing this out immediately. He says it's impossible to prove. So like, let so they went with the insanity plea and in are not self-defense, excuse me, self-defense for this one, um, which I think they should have gone with in the first point, because if he wouldn't release his girlfriend, I don't think that this is like, a crime of he's going to do this again i think it was more self-defense
3: but interesting i don't know enough about mm. it it's really
2: strange it is so they didn't get to throw the judge didn't get to throw this plea out though before the warrens had reached the press making it an international sensation lorraine actually got her own book deal out of this yeah and this book later inspired a Kevin Bacon and Andy Griffith movie called it's very aptly titled The De- The Demon Murder Case Huh? never heard huh. of that but Interesting. Neither. we need to have a watch party for that oh, we've been talking I think you guys talked about it too on your spooky story time I wanted to do a watch party for Marilyn I've heard really bad reviews for Marilyn on Patreon so I was like I don't know if I want the blonde movie so I was like I don't know mm. if I want to do a watch party for that on Patreon but maybe it's for the demon murder case of my life. Um, I know And it's supposed to be really bad, to be honest, like not factually accurate. Anyways, sorry, that's such a side note, but
3: I know. I feel like I keep kicking that can down the road. I want to see it. I want to just have like absorb it and be like, cool, I did it. Like, I need to know.
2: (laughs) I sat through it. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's,
2: yeah. Anna DeArmas, too, the woman that um, portrayed her, also claimed that Marilyn was on set with them. And like when she didn't like things, she would throw things around and stuff. And that gives me a weird vibe, but doesn't matter. So back to David Glatzel. And David Glatzel, who was supposedly possessed, had this exorcism, and his brother, they would actually sue Lorraine Warren for her book deal, said the entire thing was a hoax perpetrated by the Warrens, that David didn't need an exorcism, he needed mental help at the time. But instead, the Warrens had exploited their family for fame and money. This lawsuit, though, was dismissed. Arnie Johnson was sentenced to 10 to 20 years for first degree manslaughter. He served only under five years of his sentence for mm. good behavior, which is interesting. If you think that he was demon possessed, I don't know how the demon like they were like, he's been, uh, he's been good for five years. Yeah. Um, he did marry his girlfriend, Debbie. So that's something. And she recently passed just like a couple years ago. So, Yeah. Mm
3: that is wild i i also am Not surprised case. they didn't go for the insanity defense too right. if, if he has right. mental health issues
2: well that was uh, david glatzel david glatzel uh, okay, yeah. that had the exorcism and then passed the demon on to arnie and i know it's like uh, a lot I of see, names well now, it feels like arnie had
3: mental health issues if he was well attending an exorcism then then like made That's him funny. want to kill the landlord like i don't know supposedly yeah
2: So back to Judith Penny, speaking of all the names we've gotten, totally confused here. She has never received a cent for any of the Conjuring franchise's films. As I said, she has no love for Lorraine Warren, yet she remained friends with Ed until he passed in 2006. They only broke up in 2003, so just three years before he died of a heart attack. Who broke up? Ed and Lorraine? No, Ed and um, Judith, she says. They broke up in 2003 that's so creepy so to think had, that they were together like I mean from, yeah 63 to 2003 like that's when she moved in with them was 63 but she, they began their relationship in 1960 but yeah it's from 63 to 2003 they're, yeah it's crazy so according to one of the court doc or recordings excuse me she said as I'm older now I can't fathom why Lorraine let me stay there lots right. of times I think I know Lots of times I think about why did I do this why did I screw up my life like this sometimes I get angry about it how much was taken away from me
3: because you were groomed you're groomed yeah
2: yeah but you think about like you're thinking about it as if you had a choice but you were groomed yeah yeah it's so sad because like you do think about how much she missed because of Ed like you know going to school possibly getting married, having actual babies having all of her that own life yeah yeah mm-hmm now again like this is one of the craziest cases i've ever looked at and it's so insane the warrens have a long sprawling franchise of movies that i doubt are ever going to be finished in my lifetime (laughs) i think this is going to continue forever i will say their daughter seems like an amazing human i felt bad writing this because i'm like their daughter doesn't believe any of that crap happened she of course believes her parents are wonderful were wonderful wonderful Wants human to believe beings. the best of Fair. course yes so if you would like to visit the warren's occult museum obviously neither of them run it anymore it is in their daughter's care she seems like a wonderful person and paracon happens on october 29th um <laughs> So if you want to see Annabelle, you can go, don't, don't touch her. Don't open the case. But if you want to do it, take a photo for me, send it to us on Patreon. Um, but for now, this is all I have on the crazy Warren couple. Isn't this the most insane case? And the fact that it tied back to Johnny Depp's (laughs) trial, I was like, I can't breathe. (laughs) Uh,
3: I, I think it's insane because one, I never thought, I mean, mind blown. I never thought of them as like uh Christian-y, Catholic-y, like do-gooders. That's so
2: funny to me because I'd I'm always like, oh, shoot them. I... Yeah. So I yeah. was like, Lorraine's this like super Catholic lady. Like, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I kind of remember that, but like,
3: that's not where my brain categorizes them. <laughs> I'm like a cult, Ed and Lorraine. All right. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's super nuts because even if you did know them that way, then this shatters that. You're like, oh, so never mind. They're not like, catholic-y like do-gooder married wonderful married couple allegedly sweet (laughs) sweet old couple like yeah like that would kind of break that uh yeah view of
2: them so yeah no i definitely i definitely believe judith and i was um shell-shocked even finding out all this because i knew about the allegations i knew about that whole situation but i did not know the depth of it or that she lived with them like 40 years and like Yeah, your entire life is gone. Now, Lorraine and Ed did state that she did have a boyfriend during that time. But, like, dude, I don't know. Can you really, if you have, (laughs) I mean, if you're, like,
3: if you're in a, she said, like, she just said they they broke up, like, what, 2003 or something. Like, could she really have had a committed relationship if she was
2: committed to Ed and Lorraine, kind of, like, spoken for? yeah eek so yeah sad work. crazy little thing sad sad but yeah um that's kind of all i had this week crazy mm-hmm. i have so I, that's not all i have let's just like not lie about things um i have an entire three-page document written out for patreon so if you are on our patreon um we have more on Ed and there's is just, more. it there's always more it's batshit this whole thing i was like this is the craziest case i think i've ever looked at and it's not even fully true crime which is the wild thing but the paranormal side of it all of it is well no it is full true crime like it's just it's bananas so if you follow us on patreon know you've got that coming we'll do our live q a if you have questions about um the warrens all of that stuff of course make sure you're liking subscribing getting your alerts so you don't miss an episode of our stuff it really does help us out but yeah for now this was the insane case of the warrens so the next time you watch the conjuring just know that we can ship fake ed and lorraine but maybe don't ship factual ed and lorraine Whoa. they're dead now so what does it doesn't matter but yeah heavy <laughs> sure <it matters. laughs> what does it matter oh it, matter? it matters to judith like definitely i want her to get her justice and everything yes. but i'm like so crazy uh, yeah it's nuts it's crazy so yeah it just shows i did say this last night too maybe we won't even include this in the episode but it just shows people don't always get their comeuppance in life do you know what i mean yeah like, No you always kind of hope you're like the bad guy will lose in the end and it's like jesus they've got a whole friggin' hollywood franchise for them don't they and maybe they did all this horrible totally could have been built on lies
3: and horrible stuff yeah, yeah. maybe maybe somewhere in between just yeah. but still yeek crazy anyway well till, till next, next time, time.
0: <laughs> cheers <laughs> cheers, <laughs> cheers. The Huda Media Production.